You're listening to The Voyager in association with Turkish Airlines on Monocle 24. Hello and welcome to The Voyager here on Monocle 24. Monocle's travel show spotlighting outposts of opportunity for business, pleasure and inspiration all around the world. I'm Steve Bloomfield. In this episode, we head to Kuala Lumpur, where your guide is Monocle's Nolan Giles. I've touched down in Kuala Lumpur, and I'm making my way through the series of terminals and shopping malls, weaving through one of Asia's busiest airports. This destination will only get busier as a new international terminal is built here next year. This growth story tells you a little bit about what is happening here in the Malaysian capital as it gears up to cater for both increased population and more international investment. Infrastructure-wise, a new world-class metro system is undergoing construction and the CBD's urban fabric is becoming increasingly glossy as high-rises soar up in line with Kuala Lumpur's growing economy its twin Petronas towers coming to symbolize the modern metropolis the city stands as today. While Malaysia is still classed as a developing nation, in terms of prosperity, Kuala Lumpur as a city is today only bettered in the region by Singapore. But while Singapore is clean and orderly, Kuala Lumpur, or KL as it is known simply by locals, is a bit rougher around the edges its older neighbourhoods maintaining their historic charm and its markets still serving up the world-renowned street food that has pleased Malaysian palates for centuries. For new voyages, it's also easy to appreciate the unique home culture here, with locals happy to lend tips on the best spots for satay or laksa. They'll also be happy to give you a rundown on the interesting and sometimes bizarre world of Malaysian politics, which has been rocked by corruption scandals this year. This all makes for a very interesting conversation around one of Southeast Asia's most dynamic cities, which I'm setting out to explore today. Hello. Would you just like to go to Il- Ilham Tower? The long journey from the airport to the city is made more memorable by radio station BFM. Founded in 2008, it's grown to become Malaysia's foremost independent business and affairs station. Are you able to put BFM radio on? Oh, sure. No problem. My name is Malik Ali. I'm the founder of BFM Radio. In Malaysia, it's very hard to talk about sex, very hard to talk about politics, very hard to talk about religion. The mainstay of a lot of talk radio stations, they revolve around these three three themes. Um, but business has always been uh, something which um, is very part of our DNA here. Um, very, we are a very mercantilist society in a way. You know, uh, we tend to say, when we greet each other, we tend to say, instead of how are you, uh, we'll say, how's business, right? So, um, so that's a fabric of society. And there was already a, there was an example in the media market. I think we had something called, we have something called The Edge, um, which was a newspaper, a weekly newspaper, now daily, but weekly at the time. And, and they were able to basically um, you know, sort of attract a lot of um, readers and advertisers uh, because they were an independent business newspaper. So I thought, well, you know, so you have this um, feeling that folks, uh, this business being fabric of society, plus you have a, uh, a media that has already made a success of it. Why not make a success of it in radio? So that's where 
uh, business radio, the concept of business radio came about. It just so happens that I did an MBA and all that, so that makes it very easy for me. So, you know, that, that, that kind of like, you know, sort of all the stars were aligned and um, BFM was born. It's not just business that you're discussing on the radio. I've walked through your newsroom, you've got a team of young journalists. People here are, are engaged with, with what's going on in Malaysian politics. How have you been able to report that? Yeah. So I think through this veneer, uh, actually the veneer of business, actually, uh, because uh, a lot of politics actually revolves around this thing called money, <laughs> unfortunately. And when things revolve around money, that's where we're, we're good at that, right? We're good as a, as a business, um, as business journalists, we're good at you know, uh, talking about money, right? So I think that's where the lead into sort of talking about politics comes through, I guess, when you talk about sort of, you know, we're, uh, we scrutinize the government budgets, we, we listen out for areas of waste, we are, uh, areas of um, rent seeking, and all those areas. And I think, um, in a way, business has led into that area. Not For us, it's not, it's not a conscious decision. It's just that you know, we follow the money trail. And unfortunately, it just ends up uh, with government and politicians a lot of the time, right? So, and I think it, it is quite, I guess it's, we, it's quite common in business media around the world, Russia, China, even, I guess, you know, Wall Street Journal, of course, um, in the States, uh, Financial Times in the UK. I think when we follow the money, sometimes we find ourselves uh, going into politics and it's inescapable. And, and things that politicians do sometimes affect business, affect the economy. And that's where I guess we have the mandate um, and the support of our listeners, viewers, readers, what have you, to pursue these things. Um, but we, to be honest, we really never started out wanting to do, right, we're going to talk about politics uh, from day one. No, that was, not the, that was not the goal. I'm learning that politics creeps into more than just radio news here. At Ilham Tower, I'm taking in a video installation at the new Ilham Gallery with creative director Valentine Willey. At this operation, funded by the nation's former finance minister, Daim Zunadin. Elham is, is, a, is a public art gallery, uh, privately funded, open to the public free. We occupy two floors of a Norman Foster building, which is 60 storeys, so we're on level 3 and level 5. A total about 12,000 square feet. It wasn't purpose-built as a, as a gallery or a museum, but, you know, so far we were not too... We're quite happy with it. Our opening show is really the idea of, you know, it's called Picturing the Nation. It's who is a Malaysian, what is a Malaysian. Uh, and the, the starting point was this collection that belonged to the late Hussein Enas, who was basically a, a portrait artist. He painted Malaysia before it became Malaysia and when it became Malaysia. So it gave a face to this new country in 1963. And this formed the basis of the first exhibition. What we did was on the third floor, we invited four artists to contemplate the same question. What is a Malaysian today? You know, how do you become Malaysian and what constitutes Malaysian? And we have the four artists doing five works downstairs using multimedia. I mean, obviously, videos, photography uh, and digital. With its striking Ai Weiwei installation at its forecourt, this destination is quickly becoming one of the city's most respected names for art, providing a daring curatorial mix. Pack your bags, get ready for takeoff, and let Turkish Airlines take you on a journey to more than 270 destinations in over 100 countries around the world, including Kuala Lumpur. Turkish flies there seven days a week. 
With a fleet of more than 285 state-of-the-art aircraft, no destination is too far. Turkish Airlines, widen your world. My cultural journey through Kuala Lumpur is continuing in quite a surprising destination, Publica, an upscale development in Srey Hartimus, one of the city's more affluent neighbourhoods. What seems to be just a nicely designed mall is in fact home to one of the city's most exciting creative enclaves, where some of KL's best musicians and artists choose to gather. After taking in some tunes, I wander into Kitchen Art Gallery to meet owner Valery Kravchenko. So I've arrived at Publica, which I originally thought was a shopping centre, but I've come out here onto the, to the street at, front, at the front of the shopping centre and there's this a row of galleries here with, I guess, lots of interesting things going on. What, what's happening here? Publica management likes to call this place an incubator. So this art row is a small space within the shopping mall where they have designer shops, where they have galleries, where they have different stuff uh, all related to the arts and they have very specific um, or very good conditions for the vendors here, trying to support the artists rather than make a revenue or something. So this is a very nice uh, place where you can find a lot of uh, artworks from different artists, both locals and foreigners. So please come have a, have a look yourself. And it's not just one or two art galleries. I've walked past about five or six or seven. There's coffee shops, there's designer stores. It's a really, big operation here. <laughs> uh, our gallery is called Kitchen Art. Um, the only uh, drawback that we as vendors here have is that the rent here is um, a short term because the, the management would like to have this change the scene as often as possible, which is also in kind of in, in the interest of the guests and the, and the uh, buyers here. So tell us a little bit about your art gallery. We, we, we were discussing before that you, that you feature artists from Malaysia, but you also feature artists from overseas. Uh, by the sounds of your accent, you sound like you're, you're from somewhere in Europe. <laughs> we come, ourselves, we come from Russia. Uh, we are here uh, for four months already. We try to change the uh, display, the exhibitions as often as possible. And we are featuring, uh, as you say, uh, both uh, locals and foreign artists. And can I just ask, being surrounded by all these different creative businesses, has that been inspiring for you as, a, as an art gallery owner? Yeah, the environment here is just awesome. All the vendors, all the shops here, they're uh, more uh, than um, just located in the same uh, space. They are a community with regular interactions, uh, common parties and yeah, <laughs> and a lot of fun. A good day spent in Kuala Lumpur isn't complete without sampling some of the city's famous street food. So these are lock lock. They're basically like skewers of things like seafood or meat and tofu. And you can either have them boiled or have them deep fried. So you, it's an easy snack, it's literally street food. You come, take whatever you like, put them in the hot water, put it in the hot oil. There's sauces for you to have. It's so what are we gonna have? What do you feel like having? I'm with food entrepreneur, Alia Nasahin, who has recently launched her boutique catering business, Ladle & Whisk. We're ordering pork satay skewers in Jalanalor in Bukit Bintang, 
before sitting down to discuss the city's dining scene and why she's eschewing a law career to become a part of it. Um, I think a really big thing, um, especially this year, has been using a lot of local ingredients, but looking at them in innovative ways. So we've always had fusion cuisine, where you take like beef rendang and put it on some pasta, but this is different. This is, you're looking at the ingredients, at the source of it, at the flavour profile, and trying to see how you can incorporate that into your cooking in innovative ways. So, um, like for us, we're trying to see whether we could use fla- use things like herb crusted rack of lamb, but using like Malaysian flavours in it. And one of the biggest restaurant openings this year is this restaurant called Dewakan, where the chef was trained in Noma in Copenhagen. And so he's using things like ethically sourced, lo- everything's locally sourced, locally foraged, and using that in his cuisine. And I think that's very interesting. We're seeing a lot of young Malaysians doing that nowadays. And there's clearly a market for it as well. From, from our discussions before, it sounds like that it's, it's almost exploding the F&B scene here. <laughs> yes, I think it is exploding. Um, it could be a bit saturated because everyone wants to get in. There's been an explosion of food trucks. Uh, I think it's one of those, everyone has a dream to open a cafe, you know, that's Instagram friendly. So um, I think that's good though, it's healthy competition, but at the same time, the weak ones lose out. So we'll see where this goes, but I don't think it's a bad thing because you're getting a lot of innovation as well. And does that tie in with the broader movement, I guess, maybe in the creative industries or even in retail? Are are young people being more entrepreneurial in Kuala Lumpur at the moment? I think so. You're really seeing a lot of startups and people are willing to go out of the box, out of the norm. it's not just your traditional retail things. People are willing to dabble into their passion. You have a huge art scene burgeoning, a lot of handmade, um, handcrafted stuff. And I think because people, like the market, is, they're willing to go and look, they, they, they appreciate the source. They want to know who's making their things, whether it's food, whether it's their notebooks, whether it's their coffee, and people appreciating that. So you have a lot of young people who are now willing to come out and be like, okay, I might have an engineering degree or a law degree or finance background, but I'm really passionate about coffee, I'm really passionate about cake, and I want to do this for a living. With food still well and truly on the agenda, we've moved back out onto Jalanalor, where I'll bid you goodbye from Kuala Lumpur, a city with immense cultural depth, and from what I'm learning from these entrepreneurs, a bright future too. For Monocle, I'm Nolan Giles. And that's all for this episode of The Voyager. Next time we'll be heading to Budapest. I hope you can join us then. I'm Steve Bloomfield. Until we board The Voyager again, happy travels.